Hi, my name is Amohelang, and welcome to Art as Culture podcast, where we identify creative pioneers who are adding to the dynamic culture of the arts across all forms. Enjoy. Thank you. I'm so glad that happened. Thank you so much for being here. Wow. Hey, I must say it's, 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 it feels so good to have theater people, theater persons. Thank you. You know, people with a high level of expertise and um, people with a deeper knowledge of the industry. So, Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, you don't feel like you have a deeper knowledge? I feel like you do. And um, you expressed it you 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 expressed it really well in your uh theater <laughs> review. The theater yeah, reviews that critique. you used to do, yeah, your critiques. Which um, you've stopped. I have. <laughs> I have and I don't know, I mean if you've read one of the last um review that I wrote was about silencing, you know. Um, <laughs> were you silent or I were you silenced? I <laughs> mean, <laughs> um, yeah. um, a friend of mine, um, some time ago was like, called me Zanele, Madiba muted because my blog is wow. Madiba says because I haven't been ri- writing quite a bit, so that was interesting because only after then that they told me I had been muted, yeah, I went and reflected and I was like. That's actually true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's a there's a lot behind why I stopped writing. Okay. Um, and I think there's a there are subtle kind of victimization, bullying that happens when you're writing that you don't always know about until you start writing and you kind of become targeted because people are like, Oh, okay, so why are you here? Are you watching in in your capacity as a Zanelle, or are you are you here as a reviewer? Do you know, uh, the relationship kind of changed. So I was like, <laughs> okay, no, you know what? I need a break because, um, were you intimidated? Well, I mean, intimidated is such a strong word. I think it's very subtle in how it's happening mm. because you know. Everybody wants positive reviews. Mm. I think that's kind of the thing. But I think when you do kind of say not everything worked well together, people kind of like, oh, you're the one who wrote this. You're the one who said this. You know what I mean? And it also, it blocks you from employment, you know, because um, I wrote most of my reviews when I had just left my job and I was taking it on like a more freelance basis I was writing and then a lot of it would kind of merge with why I didn't get job opportunities because it was kind of like oh oh okay you are and you know when you combine it you're like you know what I need to stop writing are you like a (laughs) renegade in the streets are you like the resident rebel no not even not even I think it's now when I've literally I'm now employed again I can now reflect on it from a place of Okay. So but, so do you feel like you were writing from an uninformed perspective or no. a more what so what was it? So my feeling about particularly about the theater landscape is that they want everybody to love their work. So they want very positive kind of things like oh I loved it, oh standing ovation, oh do you know what I mean? And for me I think I was writing because I feel like, particularly in South Africa, I think criticism is not welcomed and it's not big and there isn't... You you can't study theatre criticism in South Africa. I right. think when I initially wanted to study, like from my first year, I think it was only in, in Rhodes, I think. Um, but it isn't like, you know, they always link it to like journalism. There isn't like arts criticism where you can go in and do theatre criticism. So I think the reception of it is that um, it's... It's personal. They, yes. They, also, they, they take it personal, but they also look at it like you are a gatekeeper, like if you say something. So if I'm like, sure. ah, that's show, they're like, you are stopping people from coming or you are making people to come. So it has... There isn't that much power. Whereas I think like internationally, if a show hasn't been reviewed 
it somehow doesn't exist. Right. That, 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 that a review must go out yeah. to say there's a play happening and all of that. Whereas here, they kind of want to be like, everybody likes the show. Everybody loves the show. Do you know what I mean? Do you think that compromises the, or affects the quality of work that we're producing? Because they know that, well, Definitely. nobody's really going to... 100%, 100%. Critically engage with what we're producing. 100%. I think, I think people create work for themselves. They, they want their friends to come and see and love the work. I don't think people, I mean, and I'm not saying for everybody. I think I know a lot of people who are open to criticism. Um, but people kind of invite you to come and love the work. You know, that's sure. already the expectation. Come love this work. And then I come and I don't love your work. And it's what a problem. What must happen? Yeah, Do you know what I mean? So it yeah. puts you in a position where you're like, you know what? I did not love the work, so I'm not going to write about it. So I'm going to post my pictures to show that but sure. that's far as it goes. Yeah. So I cannot say, you know what? The directing is great. The lighting wasn't great. The performance wasn't great. This was working out. This wasn't working out. And I think in 2017, I went to this international young theater critics in China, right? That's when I was like, you know, this is what criticism is about. It's about going and watching the work and say, this worked, this didn't work. But I don't necessarily go there as a judge. Mm. And I think that's kind of the perception locally, that you come in and you become the decider. You know, mm. like in the way that influencers work, like, oh, I'm wearing this brand, everybody buy this brand. Whereas for me, I think there isn't a feedback kind of um, energy that we are creating and I think the environment is very hostile in that people cannot speak out because they want to be employed. They want to be funded from those same people creating the work. Now you are like in the middle where we can only talk about, oh, how bad was that production in a bar? That's not going to shift. That is literally you know? what we would do yeah. after watching yeah. a show. So we don't exactly be like uh, openly, publicly. I did not like that. You know what I mean? We actually have to go to like hidden places and like, Oh, how over, bad was over, that? Over a cheap glass you of know? wine. Yes, yes, that's what we do. And I think that's the culture of like, you get, it's it's a punitive kind of thing. It's, if you if you say something bad, it's going to affect your chances of working again, of getting funding. And I think that's a terrible way because our industry is not growing. Do you feel like, so the same way that you speak about, you know, how the theater will hold you back mm. from getting certain opportunities because mm. you're speaking out, do you feel like it's the same thing in that other industry, the television industry? I think it's everywhere. I think it's in our industry as as, as a whole. As not, entertainers. You know, as entertainers, as performers, whether you're a musician, an actor, whether on TV or on film. And I think we need to disrupt that power dynamic. It's a very top-down kind of... The actor is always at the bottom, at the mercy of the producer, at the mercy of a director. And I think that's really problematic and dangerous. But we're not ready to engage in that conversation because... Already the power isn't on the same level, right? So the people who are at the top kind of create this thing of you cannot engage me in this way. Do you want to work? You are replaceable. I will replace you. Do you know what I mean? So then it just ends up being conversation on the ground that doesn't change the status quo, doesn't do anything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it's the same across board. Let's let's talk about you. Yeah. Um you what was your initial attraction to the arts? And I mean, you know, you know, your studies, what you initially wanted to do and yeah. how has that changed over the years? Because you're doing quite a bit right now. Yeah. But I'm very interested to find out if you also just wanted to be the starry-eyed actor at some point. Because <laughs> I realized that you do a lot of throwbacks on Facebook and you'll yeah. be like, yo, when I was doing my headshots and we all have those stories, when right? I'm out, yeah. yeah, what was your initial attraction and what's been your story thus far? Um, I mean, my story is weird now in retrospect because, and, and I'm, 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 I'm very uneasy about where it started because the first time where I was like, I'm really interested in this was actually when I was watching the Bill Cosby show, which is now tend to be mm, a, another What thing. it's become. But, but, but literally, I remember I came back from school and I was watching Bill Cosby. I was in primary school back then. And then I remember seeing Uma Miriam Makeba in it. I mean, she wasn't saying anything. I mean, I just had the clicks. I was like, black woman from Africa. <laughs> what? That's me, boo. That's me. <laughs> I was like, I want to be in an American show. I want to be famous. I want to do that. 
I and then I watched that same episode years later. I was like, what was this? What so, what was actually going know, on there? I was like, there wasn't really content or anything. But was I she think, a guest? No, she was. She was there. She didn't even sing. She, you know, she did. You know, the usual click. Oh, the Cosby Show. Yes. No. Yes, because I was like, what? I was like, what? What I was she? Her. What was she doing? Zanella? She was literally. I don't know. You know how American <laughs> brings African to just do the clicks with the head. Wrap you know, don't make like, any sense. Yeah. Come here, la 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 la. Yeah. <laughs> so that was it. That was it. Because when I literally listened to it when I was older, I was like, how did this have such an effect on me? Because I remember then I was like. I want to be my Mera Makeba, but not in a singing context, but in a way that she comes across and she's on this big global uh, stage. So that's initially how it started. And from there, I think it stayed with me because then I was studying, you know, you're doing your accounting, your economics, and everybody assumes you're going to go into business and all of that. And fast forward to varsity, obviously. Mm. Um, I applied and I remember when I came for my audition, did you have to convince the parents? Just I mean, I mean, my background doesn't really give that space to be convincing. You know, when you come from a poor family, they're like grateful you're going to... Yeah, varsity, that's it. You know, yeah. I don't have that thing about... That. They are, ah, uh, what, what are you going to do? Where are you going to end? They don't also know what happens. They'll yeah. be happy to see you. That's why, you know, being famous for everybody is like being on Generations. Right. That's the assumption. <laughs> you know, they want to see you on a... You know, free TV, not a pay TV. No one yeah. sees you on the other side. Yeah. So I think they were just happy. But I, I remember I mean, there, were, there, was a, there was a few disappointments because even when you're explaining it, they don't get it. They're like, but what are you doing? You're doing I'm a sketch. And then in the end, what's going to happen? But but then my sister and I, because I came with my sister, we were coming from Tembisa at that time, and we've never come to Vits. So we got lost. So we were literally about two hours late. When we got there, they packed the chairs. Everything was gone. The panel was leaving. So we out here trying to explain why we're so late. We couldn't find vets and they were not interested. And then I remember, and then I started crying and I was like, okay, it's so far. Yeah. And they were like, okay, quickly, quickly do it. And I remember crying and it was a combination of the actual audition, but crying on like, it's been so, a long so, day. So the passion came through yeah, as well. Yeah, the passion wow. came, but obviously it wasn't really working with the script because I had like a comedic script as well. So it was like, ah. And then I got shortlisted. So I wasn't accepted because I think they probably thought it was very disrespectful. How I came late and whatever. And then I was doing like a general BA, international relations, media studies, whatever. And I did that for two weeks. And I remember I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. So I kept on going to Wazowa. And then I was like, I came here for an audition and I wanted to say, you put me on a waiting list. What's happening? I think it was Natalia at the time. And she was like, she looked at my results and she was like, no, you should be here. And I was like, I should be here. Look at that. <laughs> and then the following day, I had to join the class. They had already that started. That is so crazy. <laughs> it is. What was it like? A, was it? Were you just like feeling restless when you were doing the course? Like when you were doing um, international relations? I like, hated what it. is it? I hated it. I hated it. I knew I didn't want to be here. And, and, and I had not done drama in high school in any way. So it wasn't like, you know, stages my life exit short left or short right or stage right or whatever. I just knew I did not like that. And I kept going back. And I think I think what helped me is that also my roommate in first year at the time was doing a general BA, wanted to do law. So we were all frustrated in courses. So every day it would be like, you go back, I go back, you nice. go back, I go back. Nice. And nice. That's, that's how it started. And I just... And I just never looked back from then. Yeah. Yeah. So you were pursuing the general, um, you know, BADA yeah. degree. Yeah. And you wanted to be the actor. Yes. Because you <laughs> wanted to emulate Mam yes, Miriam Makeba yes, from, darling. you know, Bill uh, yes. the Bill Cosby show. <laughs> and then what? So, yeah. Then yeah what? So, so obviously Mugela graduates, you know, I yeah. graduated in 2012 and I'm like, I'm going to be a bigger star. Do you know, I knew there were problems in the industry, but obviously you don't know how that so, dynamic, yeah, yes, you know? yes. And then I'm like, I'm ready to be famous. You're I'm getting your agent, you're getting yeah. the headshot. So I'm, doing, I'm doing everything. I'm getting ready. And then this is like in 2013 now, going to auditions. They're like, nope, nobody, nope, nope, nobody. I was like, what? Do you know who I am? <laughs> I went to vets. Come on. Do you know what I mean? And and I and I remember I think I went I went to audition to probably about a straight three months and I remember just stopping and I was so depressed. 
And I just stopped doing it and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. We're not talking about that enough, hey. The the depression or sort of yeah. the feelings that you get from all the no's. Exactly. And, and the effort that you put exactly. into preparing for an exactly. audition. Exactly. But it's almost like nobody wants you. And we don't talk enough about there's a look for TV. Do you know what I mean? And you have to come somehow sit because it's not... I mean, it's spoken about, but it's not so obvious that you can tell that there's a particular look. But I think dark-skinned girls, you know, not your obvious kind of, oh, you pretty, you are this obvious person. There is a subtle rejection because I remember I had dreads at the time and I remember in some of the auditions, they're like, you know, you're slightly masculine for this role or whatever, but it was subtle and you don't also look at it in that way or like people are really... Not even like straight up inappropriate, but you can feel that there is a vibe in this audition and you should be doing something, but you just don't know what you should be doing to actually get the job. You know what I mean? And I think and I think for me, there's there's a thing that you spend so much time studying stage only to be acting in television. Like, right. why are we not and, and studying <laughs> television? You know, <laughs> and why are we crazy. not studying television? Because there is a fundamental film. difference, right? It's huge. Yeah. It's huge because when you are performing on stage, when you do an audition, you are never so close to people casting you. Whereas in a room, we could be in this size of a room and somebody's like, got a camera so close to you and you're like, but I can't act mm. with everything so up in my face. And I don't know, you know, they're like, profile, profile. Whereas you, in varsity, you do that in one day mm. where they tell you that, oh, actually, we forgot to tell you in this past four years, there's actually TV. Okay, look right, look right. Profile, profile. That's what you're going to be doing. Yeah. Which is, you spend so much time. And because, because um, I think, theater casting is so weird that you never hear about it yeah so it isn't like a simple i can go into an audition it's always precast we never know who are those people acting for in shows. theater for theater this is very true exactly so you know that I mean? you mentioned it <laughs> yeah nobody now that I think about, about it yeah there's no like <laughs> open call or like exactly. casting call for a show at the market exactly. theater exactly yeah. because they always know who they want Whereas with TV, it's so open, yet we don't know enough about the medium. We're never ready enough to engage with that medium. And for me, I felt very rejected because I was very enthusiastic about my future. You know what I mean? And I and I think for three months after that, I tapped out. I was sleeping all the time. I was not engaging at all. And I think, and when you get to that point, you are just like, why am I even doing this? What did I study? And all of a sudden, you're like, what else can I do? And I think that's when I kind of decided. And I think one day I was like, you know what? I'm going to do those teaching English in Korea so I can get my headspace and be like, okay. So it really knocked you down. Yeah. I was like completely out because I was like, maybe I'm not that talented. Maybe I shouldn't be here. That is the worst place to be. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. And I think, and I think, and I think that's how my MA came in because I never wanted to do my MA at all. I was quite, I was pursuing the English thing when I came here. At Vitz again, and I was like, "Please, I want to come back, but I needed accommodation. I had, I had, I, I, I got offered funds to do the English course, and they were like, it's such a short course, it's a certificate. Don't you at least want to do your degree? We can find you if you do your degree. You actually have been. You've got a basically a PMA, a, a, a merit award, post post grad merit award. So I didn't know. I literally automatically had that, and they were like, if you do this, then we'll give you." The, the accommodation. I didn't have like um, a topic I wanted to do for my MA, but I knew I didn't want to be at home. I knew sure. I didn't want to go to audition. I knew I didn't want to be an, um, unemployed. So I was like, okay. So so <laughs> so one thing about you is that you will know what is for you and what yeah. is not because yeah. you knew international relations wasn't for you. I knew. You went to the school of arts. You got what you needed yeah. to get, and then you realized that actually this might not work out for me. Let me try this other thing. I knew. I knew English wouldn't work. I hated it. <laughs> I hated it so bad because I did. I did about a week of those class where it was teaching English, but you were teaching English to older people like immigrants and all of that. And I was just like, there is no way I could do this. But I was like, it's one of those that would you rather be doing something or nothing? Sure. So you have to stick it out. And then I was doing it with my MA now. So I was now like, I really, really hate the teaching English stuff. I could somehow push the MA. And then my supervisor at the time was like, you're doing badly at both now. (laughs) So you need to choose. And I was like, okay. An MA is two years. Yeah. I need to be distracted for the next two years. Yeah. (laughs) 
and, and then, I, you and need then, to get over that trauma. Yeah, so mm. I could so I could heal and do whatever. Mm. And that's when I stopped when I stopped the the teaching the Tesol course. And then I went into my MA, still still engaging with the arts because I was still looking into community art centers and its impact and all of that. But yeah, I think I think what happens to artists is that you don't get go where you want to go and you become stranded. And then you need to now come up with a plan B of how do I actually work and make enough money so I can sure. pursue what I like. And I think that's essentially been me. And then as I was working and I was like, cool. I feel like I have enough money and I can go back again, try. And obviously COVID happened. And I was like, okay, we are never yeah, going to be ready yeah. to just go out. Do you feel like then, with that said, do you feel like the pursuit of, you know, um, uh, a career in the arts or any sort of creative industry work, do you feel like it's a luxury? It's a luxury. I don't even want to lie. I think, I think you need spaces to fall back on you need friends parents i don't think and i and i and i and i don't say this in a way where i'm saying poor people shouldn't pursue the arts because i think that's elitist in itself but i think the reason i went back and found like formal employment is that you actually once you graduate the expectation in black families is that you need to contribute you need website. to get the job you need yeah. to yeah. so you need to and when you look at it it's like you get one job, it pays you then, then you can go for a year or six months. If you're staying in Joburg, where we are paying rents, where we are doing all the sorts of things, who's going to be handling those business? Do you know what I mean? And I think and I think when you think about it in that context of like, I really love this, but I cannot stay where I stay and still be doing what I'm doing. Do you know what I mean? I don't know how many times I have to negotiate rates to be like, I cannot tell you that, you know what, this is my, this is my rate. I have to be like, this is my rate. And somebody's like, oh no, we can't pay you. It's actually like an exposure gig. What is that? <laughs> Where do you think that comes from? This lack of investment or this, this devaluing of what an artist says they need to do the work that they need to do. What is that? I think because people actually look at art as a hobby they like we are doing the real thing but oh i'm so tired okay let me listen to a musician or let me watch a series because people don't think about it as work in the way that people think about their work i wake up in the morning i'm ready i'm going to sit on my desk people don't look at it like that people think that we're doing the fun stuff you know <laughs> oh it's so fun you are on tv oh it's so fun you on radio but people actually will talk about how the arts can change mindset. And when people really want to send their message across, they call artists because they realize that their own jobs right. don't reach the masses. Yeah. But then when it when it comes time to actually put money in that, they like, hmm. Because it feels like there is money. There's lots of money. There's <laughs> lots of money. They just don't think that artists are deserving of that money because they... We, we And I have to say that we haven't really been clear in explaining what we're doing. Because if you are not accepting that role, somebody is. So there isn't, we are not accepting this role. It's a collective no. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If I refuse to be underpaid, I'm is going to accept it. So somebody's like, listen, if you're not doing it, the next person is going to do it. Yeah. Do you think it comes down to like, you know, our intentions behind pursuing this thing? Because there are some people that are going into it because... Uh, you know, they hmm. want to be famous, which is fine. Yeah. But then there are some people that are doing this because it's their livelihood and it's a craft and it's something that they pour themselves into. Yeah. Yeah. It comes down to that. I think I think there are people who really go out and it's a calling and you cannot not live without it. You know, I've seen people who keep putting themselves out there and I'm just like, babes, they're not going to pay you. <laughs> You're not going to pay, get paid. And they spend like years chasing an invoice. And it's sure. like back and forth, back and forth. Government takes three months to pay you. What's happening to me in three months whilst I'm chasing another job? Do you know what I mean? So I think there are, there are many different reasons we go in. I think for me, when I went in, I had heard that it wasn't a good idea. Yeah. I had heard that there isn't money. But I was like, this is such a beautiful thing, you know, to be able to showcase a skill that people didn't know that you have and to actually be able to make money from something that you love. Do you know what I mean? Because I think we end up in jobs that we really hate because we need the money. Whereas I think art is something that you really love, that you really do. And somebody's like, I love 
watching you do what you love, but I'm going to pay you for it. You know what I mean? That is the dream. But in actual fact, it doesn't happen like that. People don't pay you. People tell you they've been given 30 rand when they've been given 2 million rand. So now you're sharing 30 rand. That is rand. the craziest thing That's in the thing. world. And you're absolutely <laughs> right. Like, it sounds crazy how yeah. you're saying it. Yeah. But you're right. Like, yeah. someone would have gotten, like, fans, bro. Like, fans. Yeah. But they just don't want to share. Yeah. And they would still tell you that, you know what? This will be great for you. This collaboration. We can showcase our skills. And then months later, you hear, what's this? People got paper. And you're sitting there, you're like, what is it about me that makes it okay for you to exploit me in this way? Do you know what I mean? Because it really hits you. And that's what sends us into this mental health crisis. Mm. Because you're like, I am really worth more than what you're giving me. Do you know what I mean? And 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 months later, you realize, oh, but somebody really got lots of money for this. Mm. And you can't go back because you cannot do the labor of mm. actually trying to conscientize I'm someone. So, I'm so glad that you said that about how, you know, artists will spiral into this mental abyss. Mm. Because... There's just this misconception that like, you know, just because you're an artist, you're you're more prone to mental illnesses. Okay, fine. That is one conversation. Yeah. But there is also the reality that we're being exploited in so we many are. ways. And of course, it's going to affect our mental we well-being. Are. We are. We are. And... And I think I think people take advantage of artists because they want to be like, oh, we are actor when you are going, when you cannot wake up. People are like, oh, is this part of your act? <laughs> you know, are you pulling another of your monologues or whatever? But the environment in which we are expected to practice is so dire. It's so toxic that you constantly have to be like, you know, people are getting harassed on sets. People are literally experiencing the most and you need to look cute and you need to smile and be like, I am okay. But nobody's okay. Artists are literally the most wounded because you are you are meant to package happiness, you know, package it and very nicely it. and sell it. You know what I mean? And it's always very interesting for me to see the product and how people reflect on the product and which is what we never reflect on. Do you know what I mean? So if you listen to a lot of artists behind closed doors again, mm. they will tell you how horrible it was working with that person, how toxic the space was. Why do you find, though, that we are doing that? We're having these little conversations in, in, in our little corners. Why are we not speaking up in the ways that we're supposed to? Um, I think I think as artists, we struggle to unite. We struggle to, you know, at one moment saying, together, let's go. You know, there's moments of <laughs> unifying. Like, oh, group A, go. Group B, too. Then when group A was calling us, we did not go. All of a sudden, group A says, and easy because you didn't come. And then group B are like, oh, nobody's supporting me. And somebody's like, I'm never going to support group B because they didn't support group A. And group A is like, I'm not coming. Therefore, it's like, we're working in silos. You can see, ah, protest there. Ah, protest. Oh, somebody spoke out. And then everybody's like, oh, me too. Oh, me too. Oh, me too. Okay, let's get together. Be Nobody's there. Do you know what I mean? Because at the time when somebody speaks out, somebody's benefiting. You cannot speak out whilst you're eating. You know, you need to separate the eating and the speaking. You can't do it together. <laughs> do you know? Because speaking out, messes with your paper yo you see what i mean put so, that on a t-shirt yeah so 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 that those two cannot operate at the same time yo and that's why we are most vocal when we're not eating you know yo, when, we are hungry, when we are hungry we are advocates we like stop exploiting us and somebody's like here's some guap and you're like okay i will come back and speak some more but in the meantime i need to finish my project do you know what I mean? So there is never a time where all of us, we like, we are heartful and we are going. Who do we hold accountable? I think, I think, I think there's, there, there's many levels of accountability, right? I think, we we also need to hold ourselves accountable mm, for how we have that. not unionized or how we have not tried to regulate the space that we are operating in. And I think, and obviously, I think I think your government will always be those people that you need to hold accountable. And we also need to also again hold ourselves accountable in that 
we have not really pushed for the right people to be in the right positions. Mm. And somehow the people who have no vested interest in what we're doing, people who don't understand what it is that you're doing, people who think that, you know, it's this glamorous thing that you're doing, people who don't understand the rehearsal. When you're charging a fee, they're like, no, but you are performing. Mm. And you struggle to explain, but, but there's rehearsals, there's crew, there's all these people. Do you know what I mean? So all of us, we need to hold ourselves accountable. And obviously... On a government level, there's your minister who's got access to funds who we need to hold accountable. And I think there's been movement now with everything that's happening with the NAC. The people are moving forward and they're calling him out. But I think we are all responsible for the mess that we're in. You know what I mean? At some point, we were very comfortable with what was happening. And there were people who were fighting. So now at some point, it feels like we've, like COVID has unified us right. to somehow have one voice i don't think it's one voice but somehow a semi-unified voice where we are all saying no you must go nazi must go you cannot be here you do not care about the arts you do not care about us so yeah yeah i think i think i think at some point all of us we need to be accountable for how we got here mm. i don't think it happened without us in it because I think there's been a lot of platforms and forums who've been receiving government funding to actually fit into the sector and they haven't done that. Yeah. So so there, there there's different pockets that we need to kind of deal with and actually question and interrogate of how this forum got funding that was meant to serve the community and didn't and then how that failure of the mis mismanagement of fund was not handled properly yeah. and then and then and then and that then is a huge goes. but that, that is a huge buzzword yeah. rather yeah. Uh, in South Africa is the mismanagement of funds yeah. and for me it's just like first of all why and also who, we know exactly who these people are actually because I was yeah. going to say who yeah. we know exactly who they are but nobody's yeah. holding them accountable so it just feels like if nothing is happening right up there yeah. then it's absolutely going to affect the ones who are right at the bottom yeah. right yeah. the entire time you're talking I'm busy thinking Zanele Madiba mm. are you in any way related <laughs> <laughs> I would not be here I would have said no not available eating my inheritance but I will say, whilst I'm not related in any way, yeah. the surname does open doors. I'm sure. At the airport, <laughs> everywhere. You know, I I do receive the perks. You they get your privilege. You get your way. I do. I do slightly, you know. I'm yeah. Like, oh, thank you. Yeah. No. I'm like, okay, go, go. Yeah. Thank you. So you're very vocal um, online about like, you know, local television and, yeah. you know, things that you've watched. Mm. Apart from your your blog yeah. that you had, yeah. you tweet quite a bit about yeah. shows that you mm. like. And mm. you're very... Um, I want to say controversial, <laughs> but I think really the word is that you're just honest yeah. about what is being presented to you. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on the current local content landscape, especially as it pertains to uh, television? I mean, we would have to assume that there is content, obviously, that, <laughs> that people are creating, which I don't think there is. I think people are regurgitating and we're literally telling the same stories hundred different different ways. And sometimes it's not even different. Like, the kinds of shows that I've been watching, they're saying the same thing. And I'm just like, aren't they? Or like a week later, the same storyline pops up. So I don't think, I think, I think production-wise... The landscape has has improved. The camera work has improved. What they're doing has improved. But the content itself, sure. I don't think we have improved. And I think it's the lack of diversity in writers. I think you see the same people writing for multiple shows, which means there are very few voices. And it's almost like knockoffs from American kind of shows. You know, you're like, hi, man, this sounds like a book that I'm reading Oh, hi, man. This sounds like a series I watched can on you, Netflix. Can you give me an example? <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I, I can't think of anything now. But I think, I think, I mean, I'm trying to, to remember a book that I was reading at the time where mm. it kind of, I was like, this story feels similar. Mm. You know, like it takes you, it takes you a bit. And I think it's not even so much like a knockoff of something. It's that my thing is that, 
I think I call it lazy writing. You know, I, this is so crazy because my <laughs> next question to you was yeah. going to be, do you think South Africans are lazy? I, I think so. I think they're not researched. I mean, there's a, there's, a, there's a soapy I won't name that is like a medical series. And I'm just like, come on, man. Go and watch the medical series, you know. So you can see, like, there's no drama. Like, how do you create a medical series where there's not cleansing? There is, like, no drama. You know, blood. you like, ah, you know when you're watching, like, uh, your Grace Anatomy and your, you know, your Amsterdam. You're like, yo, yo, because of Fumutu da, yeah. Where is that up here? You're like, ah, <laughs> ah, but I'm teacher. Okay. <laughs> All right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so you're not fond. I'm assuming you're not fond of this new... Uh, I Medical watch it. Drama. I watch it. I watch why, it so and why, I follow it. Why? And, and that's because I love bad dramas. I watch bad TV. That's that's an to interest see, of mine. To see how badly it can how bad I'm it can like, get? Not even how badly it can get. But I'm just like, hi, bro, man. You guys are bad. It's so entertaining. Do you know what I mean? I I'm just you. like, I find it. I'm just like, that's what you're gonna give us. Mm. Do you know? And 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 I love the shock. Mm. Of, of you know, you know, I was watching the soapies at the time, and they were saying this guy um, dresses like he beats up women. I was like, that's a line. A writer wrote that. There, there's a look about it because it perpetuates other things of how an abuser looks. And I was like, hi man. And somehow I still watched it. And I was like, this is what you're giving us. Yeah. And and it's across board. It's across all the soapies, all the dramas that there is a consistency. To really be at the same level. Like, they're not trying to... Nobody's trying to do better? Yes, but also I think because they've kind of monopolized that space. That there isn't as many shows coming in. You know, every once in a while, there's a new show. But then the shows that I hear... Sorry, they run for so long that you kind of expect you like I went on your penemanje. You know, you you stick with it. You know, there's a lot of shows that are redundant. Mm. Where I'm just like... You should not have gone back and mm. continued with this. You could have created a new show or another spin-off of sort. But there is there is an assumption or an expectation that there are same players who will be there, who will own the primetime slots. Do you know what I mean? So there isn't going to be much change because they're not opening it up to new voices, to new writers, to new producers. You're sounding very hashtag open up the industry. I think open up, I mean, open up the industry for me, I'm two way about it. Mm -hmm. Because for me, I'm like, the industry is open, you know? For me, the industry is open. Yeah. It's just that the wrong people are coming in. You know, your influencers, <laughs> the followers, the people with a large following. So the industry is open. Okay. But they're just saying, um, you've got your degree, but with your 20 followers, my babes, who are you bringing with? Do you know what I mean? So they don't care that you're going to have somebody who cannot act. They're like, oh, big booty. Nice followers on Instagram. The assumption is that people bring their followers. But actually, that is not true. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes people want to watch your face. You know, they want to like on Instagram. They don't want to hear you. Or they want to see you perform. And I think that's what the industry is getting wrong. Is that people with a huge following, they will bring those numbers and, and whatever. What I'm saying is that the industry is open. The right people are not being let in. So there is a there's a growing... A thing around influencers, around a particular look. And those people are coming in, they're making the industry look bad because then they also affect how the entire show looks. Because, you know, there's so many bad actors you can have on one show. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so for me, it's not so much about open the industry. I'm saying let the right people in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's one thing to be on a queue for an audition with other hundred. People who've studied the craft. It doesn't matter whether it's a community informal studying of the craft. But the point is somebody's studying this craft. They're learning the craft. They're not just saying, I've seen them on YouTube. I got funny. Oh, babes. What's that? You know what? <laughs> I hear you. And I think it goes back to what you're saying about, you know, regulations and policies. Mm. I don't know if the right people are in place that are regulating the stuff that is meant to be happening. Do you know what I mean? I absolutely hear what you mean. And I think, uh, there's a lot of people who benefit from the lack of regulation of yeah. the industry. And that's why we're not moving together and be like, let's get those royalties. But at the end whatever. of the day, yeah, I hear you. At mm. the end of the day, I also just feel like a lot of people will be like, oh, well, it's entertainment. 
So, you know what? We're just going to bring on the best entertainers and that's what we're here to do because we're running an industry. But it actually isn't entertaining. It isn't entertaining on TV. Like, I don't know. Like, people who come off from YouTube and your TikToks and your Instagram. You know, I think I think the first time you watch a theater actor on TV, it's very cringy. Do you know what I mean? But there is something about that person that says, knowledge I know what I'm doing. I'm not getting this right, but I know I should be. Do you know what I mean? There's a there's an awareness of I'm talking to somebody. I'm not talking to myself. So there is knowledge that is in the body. I think every trained actor has knowledge that a YouTuber, an influencer doesn't have. They don't know that. You cannot tap into what you don't know. And then they bring them to our TV. Sure, you look beautiful. TV screen loves you. But... It literally can take you 10 years as a bad actor, consistently delivering bad acting. And for me is that there isn't an investment and somebody isn't telling the casting director, actually, no, Zanella is not the most beautiful looking girl. She doesn't sound the greatest, but there's something about her. I love something about her. She can deliver. She can tap into those beats. You can't do beats. You don't know what beats are. You'll never hit the beats. Hence, we sit there and we're like, I man, that line didn't hit. Mm. You know what I mean? Because there's something about a trained actor who can tap into that without actually being told. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and I think until we get to that point where we can say, no, the same way somebody cannot go into an emergency room and now start doing a surgery is the same way that somebody cannot jump off the streets and be like... Tatter, I'm an actor. Do you know what I mean? And I think that needs to apply. Do you know? I don't. I don't. I don't wake up in the morning and be like, I can do your tax return. No, I'm a performer. I cannot do your tax return. Yeah. Somebody can do the tax return, but with us, they like everybody can act. And I think that's what happens with the devaluing of the arts yeah. is that everybody thinks they can do it. Everybody thinks they can go wake up in the morning and they can tell you, mm, you can't sing, I can sing better. No, you can't. You can't sing better. Do you? Uh, yeah, because Madiba is saying, okay. <laughs> you know, Madiba, Madiba said, but now Madiba is saying. Yeah. Um, do you feel a certain disdain towards the industry? Are you, are you over it? I think personally I am and 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 I and I sit on in in a lot of conversation with my friends where they're like oh it would be so great if you can come back you know do your conversation try a YouTube channel try doing that and I'm just like I don't want to be in an industry that actually hates the people who operate in the industries. You know what I mean? I don't want to be in a place where I actually have to prove myself all the time, ask to be seen, ask to be paid. And I think that's how I've moved. I've literally become like an outside looking in. And that's why there's a lot of people be like, oh, why are you writing? When are you going to do? And for me, I'm like, my darling, I have. There's a difference between me as a, as a critique and somebody who's critiquing who's never been on stage. I know exactly how hard it is to go into rehearsal. I have been on that stage. So I'm writing from a place of knowing. So I will never be like, that was a terrible production because I know people went in and rehearsed. Do you know what I mean? But I'm also like, the industry doesn't like me. They don't sure. like somebody who looks like me. They don't have a space for me. And for me, it's really hard to be like, after studying, I've always trying to find ways of how can I use this outside of this industry that actually doesn't like me? That I've spent about seven years working on this craft. And actually somebody's like, no, babes, this is not going to work. This industry is closed, you know, like in quotation marks, that it's, it's not open for you. And I don't think I can handle any more of that rejection. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that to myself. And, and I keep coming back in different ways as a writer, as trying to do something, as trying to do other things that contribute to the industry. But um, I don't think I'm as invested, you know. Mm. I used to, I could watch a theater production 10 times. Like, there are shows that I've watched that many. Then I'll be like, yo, I have to go watch it. Just to hear that line, you know? Mm. I'll write the line down. And I'm like, ah, that's a nice line. But I need to hear it again. But now I go and I'm like, ah, 
no, nah, I don't want to watch it again. No, nah, I don't want to do but that. But also, theaters are closing down like flies are dying. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I don't even want to talk about the future of theater. And I think, because, because I don't know if there is a future or if there isn't a future about theater. Because what is happening now with the online performances, that is not theater, you know? Um, and hence, when you watch an online performance, it's very difficult to judge it. Because first of all, if it's online, it takes me to a film medium, to a television medium. Now I'm like, I eat lighting, I go lit, my darling. <laughs> the way you are moving. Yeah. And whereas those things, if I was watching you in the space, I wouldn't care about how you're moving because you are meant to move like that. You know what I mean? And the camera would be literally just stagnant shooting you. Do you know what I mean? Whereas with TV, my darling, there's multiple cameras. Performers, theater people don't have that many cameras, don't have, or they cannot be thinking about that. How do you capture a dancer in like a low budget? You already don't have money. Now you are putting your work <laughs> online and I'm just like, yassi, man, I know you. But yeah. this, my babes, you approve this and you are like, ah, put me in that festival. Like this. Do you know what I mean? I think, I think there are a lot of actors who are never going to come back post this. Because I think they're going to come to a realization that, you know what? Actually, there is nothing to this. That's what's going to happen. People are going to be like, mm, okay, fine. I'm not going to do this. Or they're going to wait for a rebuilding if a rebuilding does happen. And then they're going to be like, how do I become better? How do I become more innovative? Because all of a sudden we are like, Nia Bora Nonke. Do you know what I mean? And then how do you not become that boring person? That's what this moment has done. Sure. But this moment has also said there isn't enough money for you. Because you can imagine in a household where there's two artists. They pay their bond. They pay their cars. from, And now all of a sudden there's no work, my darling. Yeah. All both of you cars are being repossessed. People are being kicked out of their place. You are now all of a sudden be like, I think somebody between the two of us needs to just have second, third, fourth income stream. You're giving like a very dire state of the autistic nation. And my next question was really going to be like, what, what, what do you think, what, what is your forecast on, on where the industry is going or whatever the case may be? But I feel like this entire conversation, you've been almost serving harsh truths, you know, about the reality. And I guess the only question I have is, how do you then, how would you have this conversation with a young person who still is interested in pursuing this thing? Um, I think, I think, I think if it does come across that I'm literally speaking to the very dire reality, I think there's enough people talking about the nice stuff of, oh, sure. I love this. Oh, it's beautiful. And I don't think there's enough of us of saying you really need to think about this and you really need to think about it very hard. You know, it's more than just, oh, I love the arts. You know, I feel something inside of me. It's a calling. And if it's a calling, I must respond that there's more to a calling than just responding, that you need to think about the realities of can I live from this, which is what we all want to do. Beautiful as it is. And nobody likes to be underpaid. And nobody wants to be called every once in six months. And then you must try to be like, how am I going to use this 30,000 until I get... How am I going to stretch it? Yeah. Until I get called. And I think yeah. that's the reality we have to deal with. Mm. But for me, I have so much hope for this industry. I think people must move away from mainstream things. Like, stop doing mainstream TV. Stop doing mainstream theater. Go, be on the sidelines, do things, don't, don't go to the big theaters, don't take your work there, like, work in small spaces, in alternative spaces, do your own thing, do you know what I mean? I think, I think there's a growing kind of thing that's coming up with your Jeffersons and other people that isn't aimed at becoming big or saying, I'm at this big national theater. It's about saying I've got I've created something for myself and I don't have an audience, but I'm going to grow a different audience that's going to appreciate this because I think that's what we're hungry for. Not your everyday, ah, we know this, it's a big name, it's a big director, it's a big actor, but the thing's on the side. And I think that's where we need to be looking into how do we support our friends who are creating work, who are doing stuff on the side, who don't have access to theaters, but they're going in and using alternative spaces. So I think there's a lot in... In, in what's happening on the side, not mainstream. Definitely like alternative art, alternative spaces, that kind of engagement. And I think for me, if 
I was talking to a young person who is wanting to come to this. I, I would definitely dish out the same files and they would have to decide. I, do you know? I, 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 will, I, will, I will tell them that this is not nice. You, you, you have to deal with not being wanted. You know, I don't know how many times friends have said, um, they don't like my teeth. They said I must work on my skin. They said my hair is not nice. They said I must do something to my body. I need to get on a diet because, you know, Umkabawa I've been showing on TV. It literally peels at you. And I don't always think that we are ready for that. That kind of probing. That kind of, you know, you are ugly. You know, I wrote, I, I wrote a review about how television doesn't like black girls. You know, that we are constantly having to be like, I am here, but somebody's doing me a favor. So you have to be ready and you have to really have a thick skin to be able to make money and to produce. And I think if you've got some money in your family, this is a great career to go into. You know, if there are some funds that you can tap into when it gets really bad, it would be great. But I would say a strong support system and you really, really have to do this. And there's nothing wrong with actually having done this and decide, no, I don't mm. want to do it. And taking a detour. I don't feel like I'm less of an artist. That's why I call myself a hibernating practitioner. I'm always practicing, mm. you know, mm. behind mm. closed mm. doors. I'm practicing. I'm I'm getting ready for that moment. You know, yeah. I had a dream that I'd pack away for a long time. I think for five years after graduating, I was not buying furniture. I was moving into fully furniture because I had a dream that I want to pack my suitcases and go to New York. So I was always never. And then there came a point. I think when I gave up was when I bought a fridge. I was like, ah, <laughs> it's a wrap. I've got a fridge now. Now you know. Now you <laughs> now know. It's you know, real, yeah. Now you know. And I think, yeah, yeah. No, you've you've really just <laughs> done that, haven't yeah. you? You've <laughs> really just done that. But in closing, yeah. Um, you know, what are you channeling? You know, all this energy into right now. What are some of the creative expressions that you are working on? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think for me, it's been very difficult to channel in this time because I've just feel like, as a people, we're dealing with a lot. I think the pandemic has affected everybody in different ways. And I wouldn't say that the pandemic for me, especially as somebody who's formally employed, unlike an artist who's been working from like and operating within a gig economy, I think I've been so blocked. Like I've been struggling to practice my creative juices because I've been thinking, because initially I was like this, this year I was literally going to leave because I'll go back and practice and be a freelance again. But now I've had to be like, I don't know how I could do that. So I'm still writing. Like I, I always write, I always write, I always write about things that touch me, but I haven't feel inspired to put it together mm. into one coherent piece of writing or into a monologue or whatever. And I think at this moment, I'm observing. I'm observing and I'm seeing that a lot of my friends are going through a lot who are full-time artists that are engaging and, uh, and don't have an uh, employment, that had to go home, that had to, you know, commit to suicide. So there's been a lot of that that I haven't felt like my, my, my artistic side is being nurtured because I'm really feeling very hit by this because... What we don't say enough is that artists are not coping because we want to be out there. We want to be with our friends. We want to be in your face and not be wearing a mask and be hugging and be touching. And because I'm an extrovert, I've really struggled. I've really struggled with this new reality that I cannot be amongst a crowd, that I must be by myself, that I must be on lockdown. And that has somehow meant that my creativity has felt like it's been on lockdown. And people have said, a lot of people have said they've been the most creative, but I have been the least creative because I, more than anything, I'm inspired by people. I'm inspired by being among people and touching and holding and enjoying their space and having a drink. And I haven't been able to do that fully, which has meant that I don't know what I would do if this becomes our new reality. As an artist, as a performer, as somebody who's a creative the current reality doesn't nurture my art. It doesn't doesn't allow me to express it in the way that I, I want to express it. So for me, it's been very difficult to practice. You know what I mean? So I think I do practice in my own way, but not to the fullest of my level. So in the moment, I'm still hibernating. 
you know, I'm on a hiatus. Hibernating <laughs> practitioner. Yeah. <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, is where we are going to leave that. I did come across this quote, though, that I want to share with you. And I just want to find out if you have any thoughts. Um, is the industry not perhaps a microcosm of the inequality of our society at large? This idea that we have to toil and work hard and sweat to prove your worth, even when the work you produce stands as an extension of your full capacity and more. Hmm. I mean, I would agree with that. I think, I think for me, the state of the art or the space in which we work with kind of mimics the inequality of like the larger kind of where we are. And I think, I don't I don't want to take it there with like you know pre 1994 but I think it's where we where we are now where some people are getting the funds some people are not some people are getting more and 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 I always say that what's really upsetting is that it's no longer like why people have all the resources I think they have it in that level of resources but I think in spaces where we exist is that there is black power. Black people have access to those big funds. Black people are in the leadership role. But somehow they have they have occupied those similar spaces that were occupied pre-1994, where they're not sharing it as equally as they should, where they're creating pockets of, these are my people, I'm going to find my people. And then there's still people at the bottom. And that's why those people keep protesting, keep requesting more funds because the masters have kind of changed, but they haven't. Because, because, and I think it's that elevator kind of analogy that there's a thing about us that we go to the, to the, to the top floor and we don't want to bring back the elevator. So there's constantly one person who's really killing it. And all of us, we're just like, oh man, you know, why are we always doing this? And people then be like, ah, black people like pulling each other down. We don't like pulling each other down, but we don't pull each other up. Sure. I think that's what it initially says, that there's a lot of inequality and it, and it, and it, and it really mimics the society in which mm. we live in. It's very unequal and it's very, it's, it's, it's anti-poor. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And that's how the industry works is that, the people who need the gigs the most don't get. Sure. You know, people who should be directing don't. The people who should be running theaters aren't. Do you know what I mean? And which is the state of affairs? The people who should be running the countries aren't. The people who are thinkers, the people who should be advising the ministers are not. So the right people are not occupying the right seats. And I think for now people are speaking out. But there was a time when we were all silent and we allowed it to go on for this long. But I think there is hope that things are going to change. <laughs> Hashtag Madiva said, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. That was a lot of fire. <laughs> that was a lot of passion. Um, I can't say that you will not not get into trouble. <laughs> I will. But you know what? You keep on speaking. And I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted you here is because I know that you are not going to hold back from telling the truth as it is. And so thank you for making time. Um, thank you for sharing your story. And please continue. Thank you. Your experience <laughs> is necessary. Thank you. Matiba said. Thank you so much. so much for listening and feel free to connect with us on instagram at art as culture podcast and make sure to check out other episodes on www.lucha.com art as culture shifting perspectives on creativity